today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith God is going to purify you in the trial. It's like a refiner with gold. He heats up the gold. He makes it hot and all the impurities, all of the alloys float to the top and he skims it until he can see his face in the gold. And what God does in our lives is this. The trials come. The tests come. And all of a sudden what comes to the top, oh God, I didn't know I would ever say that. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. As we walk with God, we become more like Jesus. But just how does the Lord accomplish this mighty work? In today's message, Pastor Ed teaches us that the Lord uses the crucible of trials to purify and refine us into His image. Just as gold is rid of its impurities by the refiner's fire, we too will become aware of the gook and muck inside our hearts when life throws us curveballs and pain. As we walk through these trials, we surrender more and more of ourselves to the Lord. It is through this process that we are purified. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith I recognize that this life is a moment. It's like a vapor. It's like a cloud in the sky. Here today, gone tomorrow. I recognize that 20 years in comparison to 20 millenniums, to 20,000 millenniums, to 20 trillion millenniums, I mean, that's eternity. It is only a little time in comparison to what God is doing. And so what Peter is saying, put it in perspective. Paul the Apostle puts it this way in the New Living Translation. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. What helps us is that this life is passing and and eternity is ahead of us. And he says, you could rejoice because God is in us, with us, in the midst of those very trials we experience. Uh, God limits those trials it's only for a little time and in the greek language you can't see it in the english language but in verse six where it says you may have had to suffer the idea of may have is that god permits it god may say my son needs this oh god i don't want that my daughter in order to perfect her in order to refine her I need to allow this. I know in recent years I've had trials that I never had earlier in life. And so I simply sat back and said, God, I thank you. I never experienced that earlier. I don't know if I could have handled it. 
But God has a purpose. He's, he's doing good things in us. For all of us. And so we rejoice. When the tra- trial knocks on the door. And he forces his way in. Simply. Lord. You're going to help me with this one. You're going to prove yourself strong. God, your promise. I'm going to learn a new promise. I've never met this trial before. But God, there's a promise to stand on. When the trial comes in, you know he's not there to stay. You recognize that the trials are limited. And so you rejoice. There's a divine purpose. God is doing something in our lives. So we rejoice. That's how we handle it. But we also do something else. The text is clear. We recognize the purpose of God in the trial. We find purpose in our trials. It says, look at verse 7. They have come so that your faith. Ah, that's it. God's interested in your faith. That it would be strong. In this present world, there's not much that we're going to take with us. Hold as tightly as you can to your retirement plan. It's not going to do you any good in the grave. The things that you hold on to in this world, when the curtain comes down and life is over, guess what? You leave it all behind and someone else has it. Someone else will live in your house. Someone else will drive your car if it's drivable. You're going to leave it all behind. But what you do take is your faith. Your faith you take with you. See, it's not what's outside of you that you take. It's what's inside of you what you take. It's your faith, your trust, your relationship to God that you take with you beyond this present life. That's the promise. Now, what's God going to do in that trial? He's going to grow, refine your faith. Again, look at the scripture text. The refining process of the test of our faith. It says, may be proved genuine. These have come that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. The idea of the text is that God is going to purify you in the trial. It's like a refiner with gold. He heats up the gold. He makes it hot. And all the impurities, all of the alloys float to the top. And he skims it until he can see his face in the gold. And what God does in our lives is this. The trials come. The tests come. And all of a sudden what comes to the top. Oh God, I didn't know I would ever say that. Oh God. I didn't know that was in me. Oh, God, I didn't realize I would have responded like that. God's refining. God's changing. God's cleansing. He is making your faith a genuine faith. He's preparing you for eternity. He's preparing you to be with Him forever. See, that's what's happening. God is saying, I'm refining your faith. And He tells us, That our faith has greater worth than gold. One of the greatest commodities in Peter's day 
was gold. It was a, a standard, and still even today, a standard. Listen, heaven has its streets lined with gold and paved with gold. Your faith is of greater worth than gold. That's going to determine so much about you and so much about your eternity. And so as you're going through the trial, God is developing your faith. A ship, if it just remains in the dock after it's built and is never sent out, how do you know if it's seaworthy? God sends us out in the storm and he tests us. Oh God, I don't like this. Son, I'm perfecting you. I'm refining you. I'm shaping you. I'm molding you. I'm working in you. Just trust me in it. See, see, God is doing something in us in the midst of all of that. You could have a profession of faith, but when you have a testimony of faith, oh man, that's different. See, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said to the king, we're not going to bow down to your God. They made a profession. We believe in the one true God. The king says, okay. I'm going to throw you into that furnace, make it seven times hotter. And they go into the furnace, and they're just walking around. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, we threw three in there. Who's that fourth man? He looks like the son of God. Hallelujah. It's in the trial that... God comes besides us and he refines us. Now, when those three Hebrew boys got out of that fiery furnace, you don't think they had a testimony? See, it's when you've gone in the fiery furnaces of life and you've come out of it, when you've been down and you've been broken and you've gone through those experiences that would rip someone apart and you've come out of that lion's den, then you have a testimony and your words have impact because God has done something in you and people can see it, people can hear it. And so what God is doing, he's refining his church so he might have a testimony. What helps us is seeing the purpose that God has in the trial for us. But Peter doesn't stop there. He goes on and says something else. He tells us that what helped you is looking at the final outcome. The final outcome in the testing of your faith. Here it is. The end of verse 7 may be proved genuine, and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The best judge of human character is God. Sometimes we don't know why we do what we do. We're a compilation of all sorts of experiences along the journey that contribute to who we are and why we do what we do and But God sees through all of that to the core, to our motive. Men may praise you here, but that praise will last for a short period of time. And what Peter is saying is have your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes there. Because God is going to develop your faith. He's going to perfect your faith. And so we're thinking about the final outcome. What are you doing inside of me, Lord? And, and God is preparing us. And so we're preparing for eternity. We sing 
Sometimes songs about heaven, we ought to sing more about them because we get so fixated on this present world that we forget we're pilgrims, we're passing through. Peter reminds us of that. We're just passing through this present world. It's not where we remain. And so the idea is when I stand before God, I want to hear his praise. In the church, you may have never received a trophy for your faith. Maybe you have endured incredible trials that have hurt and wounded you. Maybe you have been faithful to God in the secret place and no one knows. When you stand before God and He praises you, that praise is eternal, everlasting. When He says, well done, good and faithful servant, that counts. That lasts. The praises of men is fleeting. The heroes of earth may be, who knows? But God really knows the hearts of men. And so what we do is we work to please him. We live for that day. So handling our trials, we're going to rejoice in the trial. In the variety of things that happen to our life all through the journey because of his manifold grace that he gives us. He meets us in those points of need. We're going to rejoice Because God puts a limit on that. We're going to rejoice because we find purpose in those trials. We may not understand it, this side of earth. We would want to take that eraser and not only erase in a sentence. and, And Five minutes is not long enough. I need ten. No, I need an hour. No, I'll just keep one sentence. That'll be good enough. I want to get rid of the book. When we look at our lives and say, oh, so many trials, so many trials. God knows. And trust him. There's a final thing that Peter encourages us with. Let me read this one passage of scripture before we go on. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Whatever your sufferings are, put them there. It doesn't compare what God has for you. Can't even compare what God will do for you. How do you handle your trials? You have to find strength. You have to find strength in your trials. Look at the biblical text. I'm going to go to the end of the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Notice. After you've suffered a little while, again, that word, a little while, he'll restore you. He'll make you strong, firm, steadfast. God will make you strong. You could try and face the situations in life that come your way in your own strength, and you will find yourself crumbling under trials. You'll find yourself unable to deal with the circumstances and the situations that you face. Or if you deal with it, you deal with it in a way that's damaging and unhealthy rather than healthy. Augustine said it this way. When God is our strength, it is strength indeed. When our strength is our own, it is only weakness. Where do we find this strength? In our salvation. In our salvation. Our experience of salvation strengthens us. Again, the text, verse 9. 
For you are receiving the goal of your faith. What's the goal of your faith? The salvation of your souls. It's talking about the here and the now. And it's talking about the future. It's talking about the present. And it's talking about the time to come. Our salvation is something that happened in us when we received Christ. And it is happening in us. We're justified just as if we had never sinned. We're reconciled. We have a right relationship to God. We're sanctified. We're being made holy. But there, at the end, we will be glorified. Completely changed. Without sin. Without fault. We will see him, meaning Jesus, and we will be like him. That's the hope that we have. That's our salvation. So what we begin to do is get serious about your salvation. When we are serious about our salvation, we can better handle the trials of life. If we try and straddle between the world and the kingdom of God, we will falter and fail and just stumble. But if we are serious about our salvation, see what God is doing in your life and in my life, again and again, He is pushing us, He is prodding us to lean not on the arm of flesh, but to lean on Him. To trust not in ourselves, but to trust in Him. To really, truly believe from the depths of our heart who He is who He said He is. So it's this trust in God. It's the strength that grows in our lives. What it is, is thinking about our and being serious about this present salvation. Oh, I thank God that He has saved me. That's not going to wear out in my heart. I'm going to be excited about my salvation, just like I was when I first received Christ, just like the first time I felt the burden of sin roll off my shoulders, just like the first time when I heard the Savior call me into His kingdom. So I'm going to keep that relationship with God, sustain it. I'm going to get into salvation. But also I'm going to look at the end. See, I'm looking at this experience of salvation because I'm thinking about the end of the race. It's like a marathon. You enter a marathon and you have to train and you have to diet and discipline yourself and and you have to work hard. If you're going to go into a marathon, there's months and months of training and discipline and it's not easy. What Peter is saying You are preparing and training and disciplining yourself for the day that you will stand before God. You're seeing the end. See, we have an example of that in our Lord Jesus Christ. Where it says in the book of Hebrews, he talks about it in Hebrews, how he looked for that day. He endured the sorrow and the trials and all of those things. It says in Hebrews 12 too, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Everything he went through, he kept in his mind the end goal. And that's what God is saying to you and to me. The end of your faith is the culmination of your salvation. That's what we keep in our heart and mind, our focus, our attention. Now he goes on, and this is a shouting point. This is where you can't help but getting excited. He talks about our strength, our relationship to Christ. 
That's our strength. Look at the text. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you did not see him now, you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, notice the negatives offset by the positive. The negatives are this. You have not seen him. You love him. And you don't see him now, yet you believe in him. He was writing to those people throughout the area of Turkey who had never seen Jesus. Peter had seen him. He had walked with him. But they hadn't. Like you and me, we haven't seen him. But yet, we believe in him. Remember Jesus speaking to Thomas in John 20? 29, he said to Thomas, Thomas said, Lord, unless I saw the Lord's hands, unless I see his side, unless I I feel him, I'm not going to believe. And Thomas does believe then after he sees the Lord. And Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. That's you. He blessed you. That's us. Well, I haven't seen him. But yet I believe him. I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I wasn't there that Easter Sunday, but I know it's true. There's that witness in my heart. I know that I know that he is coming back again. I know that I know that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. See, we are blessed because we believe. We are blessed because we trust. He said, that's what's going to give you strength. Strength in that faith. And then he says, even though you haven't seen him, you love him. That's the core. That's the core. You've heard the saying, love at first sight. Two people meet each other, eyes meet, they're in love, and um, instantly. Then there's a type of love where it's a growing love. You spend time with that person, you get to know them, you know their heart, you know who they are. And that friendship blossoms into a love relationship. We love him. You spend time with Jesus. And you know that he's a lover of your soul. I mean, he's pursued you when you walked out the door. He's come after you when you've gone your own way. Uh, He has loved you like no one else has ever loved you. Uh, You begin to fall in in love with Jesus because he loved you first. You wind up loving him. And see, there's this incredible love that keeps you in the race, that keeps you fighting, that keeps you battling, that keeps you going forward in God. So he said, here's your strength. It's the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ is the fact that you treasure your salvation. That's more important than anything else, your salvation. And you treasure that. You value that. You look forward to the day when you will see him. And you have this relationship with Jesus Christ. You believe him because he walks with you and he talks with you. You've not seen him with your earthly eyes, but you've seen him with the eye of faith. And he is more real to you than anything else. And there is this love relationship that binds you that holds you to the Savior. That's what the Scripture is teaching. Peter said, you're going to go through all sorts of trials. You find strength to go through those trials in the Lord. Building in faith. Today, you may be facing persecution from the world around you. 
Your walk with Jesus may have hit a rough patch, and now you're unsure where to turn. Or your life may be going well, and you're feeling the blessings of Jesus all around you. No matter the place you are in your life, there is always Jesus. He loves to rejoice with you in the triumphs and to walk with you through the trials. As Dr. Edward Jones continues to take us through the book of 1 Peter, we see that Jesus is the solution in every crisis and the one we can look to each and every day for our own strength. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well. We know how important social media is in people's lives today, and by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We would also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly worship. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us the love and hope that only Jesus can offer us. Your Word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit.